Goat department. Oh, that's pretty goat good. Department. Goat wow. department. <laughs> Baby goat. We've got to go to the goat <laughs> department. I don't know, something around there. It's not great. It's perfect. Oh, you're in trouble now. What? Why? 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 There's so much stuff to see. So listen to the podcast that makes it easy to say. IMDb is obsessed. Do you long for better work-life balance? Would you like to separate the two completely? then Apple TV Plus's new series Severance may be the weird office comedy thriller that you need to achieve your career goals. So you'd rather sever your consciousness than just set some personal boundaries? Absolutely. Who says I haven't already? I'm Lizzie Bassett. I'm Alex Logan. And this is IMDb is Obsessed, the show that tells you the one TV series or movie we're completely obsessed with this week and why you should be watching it. So this week, we are talking about Apple TV Plus's new series, Severance, which follows a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and their personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to discover the truth about their jobs. Yes, this excellent series is mostly directed by Ben Stiller, uh, which may Mm. surprise you, but really shouldn't. He's been an excellent director for quite a while now and stars Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, Christopher Walken, John Turturro, and many, many excellent others. Yeah, definitely. So the first two episodes of the series are now available to stream on Apple TV+, Plus, with new episodes releasing weekly until April 8th. Yes, and before we dive straight into why we love this show so much, and we really, really do, uh, we wanted to know from you guys which fictional office would you love to work in. Uh, I have to say, I would not love to work in the office from Severance, and I think you will see why over the course of this conversation. Yeah, it, it has its upsides that we'll get to in a bit, but sure, sure, it's 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 a dangerous place to work. To say yes, that. yes, but we asked you guys on Twitter which fictional office would you love to work in, and we got a lot of love for Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, which is of course the company from The Office. Yes, of course, and lots of uh, love also for 99th Precinct from Brooklyn Nine Nine. At Philip Coven says, "Say Vandalay, say Vandalay." Wait, I don't know what that one is. Seinfeld. Oh, right? Art Vandalay. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's Vandalay Industries from Seinfeld. I mean, you know, being a fake company that doesn't make any sense, I feel like that ties into Severance pretty well. Certainly. At Degrassi High 2 says, never a dull moment at Greendale Community College Administration. Sure, of course. Yeah, of Shouting course. Shouting out community. And then at Gato Carpintero says, the Ministry of Silly Walks. That's got to be Monty Python, yeah? Oh, yeah. And a great health plan there as well. If you want to join the conversation, make sure you go to twitter.com slash imdb and tweet at us with the hashtag imdb is obsessed so let's get into severance the show does a great job of like setting up this mystery and really pulling you into it and unraveling it very slowly episode by episode and and doing a cool thing where by splitting their personalities they can always add another layer to the mystery and reveal a little bit as well by just showing you this person in a different context and showing them as their any self which is their job in work mm-hmm. and their Audi self, which is their job outside of work or their their life outside of work is right. two separate people. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive that they're able to hold your attention across what's I mean, it's it's like two timelines, although it is one timeline because you are seeing one person. But the way that they're able 
and particularly the the acting performances in this, that they're able to carry some of the same energy um, across these two different consciousnesses is really impressive. Um, I also think that they've done a really good job of bringing you in in a way where you understand what's happening fairly quickly. And it's a yeah. complicated concept. So the fact that they do that, I think, is really impressive. Or at least if you don't re- like you don't know how many deep levels this is going to go down. You're at least pulled into the mystery. And it's that yeah. opening scene, I think, where we find a character we come to find out is named Helly waking up on a conference table with being asked a survey of five questions. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's the survey. The questions are are completely just seemingly impossible to understand why this person would be waking up. She doesn't know who she is. She can't remember anything. And then when she, you know, confused tries to just say that she doesn't understand, you know, doesn't know any of the answers to the question. They tell her that's a perfect score. Yeah. And that's the moment where I was like, a perfect score? Okay, what is this show? (laughs) Where are we going with this? And then eventually they do tell you why that is a perfect score in, I think, the second episode. And that's where it starts to realize, like, oh, this is – they've set up so much. There's such a huge web and mystery, and they've planned it so far and so deep that I, like, I want to know more. I I, got to keep going. What is this company? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The show's created by Dan Erickson. If that name does not sound familiar to you, that's because this is actually his first credit on IMDb, which that oh, yeah. really surprised me um, when Alex brought that up in our notes prior to this. However, the name associated with this show that you most certainly will be familiar with is Ben Stiller. He produced the series and he also directed six of the episodes, including the first two that are available to watch right now. They're amazing, and I, I'm so impressed by Ben Stiller's directing on this. Um, it's, it's like the perfect show for him, I think, because as Alex pointed out, it is very funny. There are some moments that have a very Ben Stiller-y energy to them, like, like yeah. earlier Ben Stiller things, almost Tropic Thunder-y in, in some weird ways. I, you know, hearing Christopher Walken, another cast member in this, saying <laughs> the, the goat department, like that... It was a thrill. Uh, I love hearing him talk about goats. Yeah, you're right, though. It does have like some of his weird energy, but also kind of like his later directing style where he's been, I think, you know, more and more so becoming kind of a a visual stylist and really Mm -hmm. going for these these grand pictures. I think Secret Life of Walter Mitty was one where he was really trying to push what he was doing as a director. I mean, you know, it's it's such a far, far cry from Cable Guy. But it's it's interesting to see Ben Stiller like kind of mash these two things together where he is does have this like dark, weird sense Mm -hmm. of comedy that you'd see in something like the Cable Guy. Yes. (laughs) But also these like weird visual kind of, you know, uh, just lofty ideas and and really going for some otherworldly but like in a you know an office space in a place you recognize and it's it's something new that I haven't seen from him and something that really works by putting those two ideas together I think the visual storytelling on this is particularly impressive there's something that they do like 10 minutes into the first episode not even where you see Adam Scott's character Mark um, entering the severed floor of Lumen, the company that they work for. And it's literally like an almost three-minute tracking shot of him just walking through the blandest, most nondescript white hallways to this like very funny sort of elevator music. And it just keeps going and going yeah. and going. And it's like one of the funniest ways, to, I think, to introduce you to this like weird, you know, maze of a space. Yeah, the place is sinister, but without ever being evil looking. It's all mostly very sterile. Brightly, yeah, yeah, brightly lit and sterile and an office space that I don't know, isn't too different from some of the places I've worked. But 
there's just the 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 space of it, the actual like uh, uh, just you know just lonely emptiness of everything that he's shooting and doing with it that mm-hmm. really makes it take on this otherworldly quality that's troubling. It is, but it also <laughs> taps into like something that they get into more into the the later episodes of the series, and we will not spoil any major plot points for you guys because this is something that definitely unravels, and you need to watch the whole thing, but. One thing that you start to realize is that the the company's goal is for its employees not to really connect with each other, um, and that there's mm. a there's a danger in the connection between human beings um, when the work that they're doing is so potentially uh, secretive and serious. And I think sort of showing how big the office space is, and like visually right out the gate, showing you kind of how disorienting and confusing it is it helps you understand like the lengths that the company is going to to keep the departments apart from each other. Yeah, and it's it's so funny that it comes from this real place too where Dan Erickson, the creator, said that it, it comes from working in a windowless office in LA when he first moved here. Oh, God. And he said he caught himself thinking one day as he's walking in that like, man, I wish I could just totally not experience the next eight hours. I wish I could dissociate and just have it to be five and suddenly I'm going home. Oof. And and, and this is his quote. It's from uh, his piece in Variety. And it occurred to me that that's kind of messed up thing to catch yourself wishing for, considering we have limited precious time on this earth. And here I was wishing I could give some of it back. Uh, it really was born of my own corporate misery. Yikes. Which, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I think finding that place to connect with, I mean, I think we talked about this before about like horror movies, mine something that is real, Mm -hmm. a real fear, and then blow that out into something, you know, supernatural, not all horror, but you know, it's definitely a kind of like taking something like we're afraid of what might be in the ocean. So you create the super jaws like character. That's this like impossible shark that's stalking you. This is like, you know, have some anxiety about going into work every day and working in these corporate offices and what it actually means to us. And this blows it out into, is there a deeper evil ulterior motive to it all is there like a mystery that we're blindly ignoring just by you know plotting away at our computers every day in this windowless office i don't it's 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 a fascinating it kind of gave me my own existential crisis along with the characters i'll say yeah he's talking about this coming from a very bad work experience have you had any jobs uh in your adult life in los angeles that were particularly harrowing or or experiences that stand out (laughs) Oh, yeah. Similarly, one of my first jobs uh, getting out of college here in L.A. was temping. And it was, you know, entertainment industry temping. And they were putting us at different agencies. And this was during the writer's strike in 2007, 2008. And they didn't. Yeah. And this. Uh, talent agency that they had sent us to work at had fired their entire assistant staff just due to, you know, cutbacks and everything. And they had just hired a staff of temps who had never worked there before to kind of just go in and figure it out. And I just remember wandering around the hallways while, you know, different agents screamed at us to answer their phones and get us that, get us this, get us this person, you know, email this person, all names and things that I had no idea how to do, not even to get on the computer and just like carrying around a stack of headshots of actors like, where do I take this? What do I do? And it was the kind of similar dismaying you know the uh, just idea of like when you wake up at 
the Lumen Company in Severance and they start, you know, telling you that this is your job, like get to work. There was that feeling of like, where am I? What am I doing? (laughs) I like nobody taught me this Uh, in college. That is true. No one teaches you anything in college that you're actually going to use in the workforce. That's especially true as someone who went to acting school. (laughs) Yeah, I guess mine was less sort of office drone experiences because I did end up working on a lot of YouTube shows when I first moved to LA. So there was some pretty sort of wild uh, experiences there in terms of like handling props that were disgusting. Um, you know, I guess Ooh. not exactly. It's probably not a universal office experience to say that you had to shovel a bucket of large Madagascar hissing cockroaches with your little oven mitt covered hands into a different bucket. Um, but that that was a day no. on the job. Well, the one thing that I will say got us through those jobs is, you know, misery is is com- needs company. And uh, the other co-workers in this show are yes. really incredible surrounding Adam Scott, uh, all equally, you know, severed from their reality outside of this. They're innies have no idea, you know, who they are outside of this world. They're all coming together in this one place and they try to set them on a path to become friends or at least like (laughs) come together and stay separate Mm -hmm. from all the other departments, of course, so that they can just work on their weird little computers of analog technology that, you know, is completely cut off from the rest of the world so that they can't like figure out who they are and i i love this weird staff that he's surrounded by um brit lauer yeah, is helly john Taturo so is so good. funny and he's so very sweet weird. there's yeah. like i there's something very endearing about john Taturo in this i mean i feel like he always mm-hmm. is is relatively charming but particularly in this i'm every time he comes on i'm just like oh i hope he's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah and they they send him on a path to collide with Christopher Walken as an as another friend and their their friendship their connection is so strange yeah. and beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen Christopher Walken well I I have seen Christopher Walken be this tender one time and it was hairspray. Yes. When, uh, He's he great was, in yes. hairspray. <laughs> he and John John Travolta as, as the uh, parents were very tender. But besides no. that I don't think I've seen this side of Walken and it was really uh it was beautiful. You know, which it's strange that it's it's it comes to that in the show that is a mystery, a thriller, a workplace comedy, dark comedy, you know, but it comes to these weird places that you kind of arrive at at work, I guess, when your brain is split <laughs> between realities. BP added more than 70 billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So other members of their team are Zach Cherry, who is very, very funny in this. Patricia Arquette, who plays Adam Scott's uh, nefarious and duplicitous boss who I, yes. I won't say too much more about, but this is, this is quite a role for Patricia Arquette. And I mean, having seen her in the act, uh, I think, you know, she can be scary. Patricia Arquette can do it all. I, I, I that's what I've been seeing more and more uh, lately is, is just how many different kinds of weird characters she can play and how far she'll go with the character too, which is really interesting. I love yeah. that she's, she's doing these and she's getting to play, 
several different kinds of characters. She doesn't, she's not severed, but she does have different personalities inside and outside of work as she's kind yes. of manipulating everyone around her all the time. And the different different parts of her life that she's playing. I mean, the the scary character at, at the office and then trying to portray this very loving, you know, uh, like kind of hippie neighbor is also so fascinating. And yeah. I- Without spoiling too much, Patricia Arquette uh, does play Mark's boss. However, she also is surveilling Mark outside of work as well while posing as his sort of hippie dippy, you know, uh, loving neighbor, Mrs. Selvig. Yes. But there's something about the way that she plays that character where it's like there's a screw loose, like something's missing. Um, and there there's like a deep emptiness underneath this sort of like, you know, oh, Mrs. Selvig exterior. Yes. That's really creepy. And she does a great job. I will say it's it's kind of it's a two dimensional sitcom neighbor character yes. that she's playing as the hippy dippy neighbor. Like, you know, it's 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 Wilson from Home Improvement or any of those mm-hmm. kind of characters, but in this evil context, evil in this, you know, mysterious context and like as she should have more layers to her and that's what makes her that much more concerning I guess that she's showing up in these different contexts yeah like I said like each time they kind of add this new layer or like twist to the character as soon as you see them a little bit more outside the office it like adds that much more to the mystery and goes that much deeper with them and that's so fun to just track through this show I want to talk a little bit very briefly about the actual um setting of the office building, which oh yeah, Alex, you called this out. This is a real place. Yeah, in Palmdale Township, New Jersey. This is the Bell Labs complex. Oh, people yell at Alex if he got that wrong. We don't know how to say names in New Jersey. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jersey. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is a real Bell Labs complex that was designed in the uh, late 1950s. It's kind of this brutalist structure that's yeah, it's really really weird. Yeah, and they do so much with it. Again, you know, as this gigantic complex, just putting a few characters in it, and I know this was like another show that was shot during COVID, but it really plays to its strength that like there aren't many people around in this giant structure and you're just getting these like small characters in these large spaces that makes it that much more, you know, lonely, depressing, kind of crushing as the world seems so big and the characters are so small. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you're a fan of title sequences, Alex. I I do find myself skipping them sometimes. However, I would urge people not to skip the one on this show. I think it's one of the coolest title sequences we've gotten since Game of Thrones. Um, it, yeah. it is scary. Like it, it maybe will give me nightmares. Um, but I want to pay attention, and I want you guys to pay attention because there are definitely a lot of little Easter eggs um, hidden in it. Yeah, totally. And it's something that we talked about in the Peacemaker episode, because James Gunn was saying, the creator of Peacemaker, that he wanted to abolish the skip button during title sequences. And that's why he created that ridiculous dance number at the beginning of Peacemaker. This is such a cool visual thing to watch. But yeah, like you said, it's filled with Easter eggs. And it really reminded me of the claymation video that a very depressed Ben Wyatt played <laughs> by Adam Scott tried to make in Parks and Rec. Yes. But this one actually finishes the the thing that he set out to do in Parks and Rec. And I it's it's so weird. It's it's kind of claymation, but it's definitely computer generated. And it's, it's really all spooky. these yeah, different sides of Adam Scott and different characters as he's like 
stalking the halls of both his house and the offices of Lumen. Yeah, there's some there's this one image of a coffee cup that is like overflowing with tiny little Adam Scotts and then it <laughs> yeah. like pours them all out on the table and it's just like I can't get out of my head. It, it's really an impressive and spooky title sequence. And like you said, it's it's filled with Easter eggs and it probably leads to unravel a few of the mysteries and I've gotten farther in the show than you have but yeah. there are still so many mysteries I feel like they've mm. only scratched the surface uh, the creator Dan Erickson said that he's already outlined his plans for a 10 episode follow up um, and as he said a lot of the work we did is stuff you never even see on the show but we've got things figured out like is it a publicly traded company or not you don't even see the company's board they are never actually yeah. glimpsed but the question is how do they liaise with their various heads of different departments and stuff on a national level Level. Yeah, so it, he went deep on the research to try to figure out what, how an, uh, a company like Lumen would actually operate and how it would like put its face forward while containing all of these things in the depths of its company, right? Like that this severance program. Yeah, they do a really good job of, of that. And I think that's one of the reasons the show is so successful is that it takes the kind of corporate lingo and like relationships that I think many of us who have worked in corporate environments at this point are very familiar with. And it twists them just enough so that there's yes. still a connection to, you know, the the kinds of like jargon that we're used to hearing. And also the kind of office dynamics that I think we're we're used to seeing. Like a lot of this, if if you've ever worked in an office, is going to feel very familiar. Yeah. Um, which kind of adds to the creepiness because then you're like, well, wait a minute, like what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, what am I doing? But, but it's it's that you know, it, like you said, like and and why we were talking about it before, but it, it is very much like plots from The Office, yeah. but if the episode was written by Charlie Kaufman yes. of being John Malkovich <laughs> and directed by Yorgos Lanthimos of, uh, you know, of of The Favorite. Like, it's got this just off quality where people say a little bit too much. They, because they've severed their personality, they're not the kind of, you know, normal operating person that they could be because they have no outside life. They only right. have their office life. And there were points of the show, The Office, which I dearly loved and watched many yes. times later in the series where it was kind of like, don't these people have lives? Why are they still hanging out after work all the time? Like they, they've, <laughs> they have no work life separation to the point that it became a little bit weird and creepy. And this show mines all of that and makes it make sense too, where mm -hmm. they have, you know, there is no other life they're here and then they're there and they don't remember the two. So I love that. It like takes that kind of, again, like that thing that we already know about and feel, but then just put it in this context that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I, I think the other point that it makes so beautifully is like, obviously, the idea of work life balance is something that I think we're all struggling with right now yeah. in the pandemic, considering that, you know, we work out of where we live. So that balance is going to be brought into question. But what this kind of shows is like, if your idea is just to completely separate the two, that's not going to solve the problems that you're having, because you know, there, there's something to be said for bringing your life experience to work and bringing things that you've yeah. learned at work to your life. Like that's, I do think that's important. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, I've certainly learned things at this job that I feel like I bring, I, I bring elsewhere to relationships and, and conversations outside of work, but seeing what happens when you do sever those parts of your personality, it's, it's like caging, 
an animal to a certain degree and like it's it's gonna try to escape yeah it's the two wolves inside of you but yeah. one has to go to the office all day and he's oh, really God. not that happy about it yeah it's taking these you know existential crises these things that we've been thinking about and putting them like blowing them out in ways that we haven't seen before and mm-hmm. i love i love that aspect of it where they they really dig into what does just the concept of work life balance mean and make it the key question of the narrative without just you know by putting it in a supernatural context. Right. Also, one of the smartest things I think this show does is that, you know, these people, the innies, as Alex explained, who are trapped on the severed floor, yes, they're trapped and they can't exactly elect to leave. However, it's them, they're imprisoning themselves because they're outies, the people who do not work on the severed floor, the people who get in the elevator, come down and, you know, have their chip activated they're choosing every day to come to work. So it it kind of brings up the concept of if you are in a position where you hate your job and you feel trapped, like you have to remember you are coming to work every day. Like you are putting yourself in that position. And it it really puts that in an interesting light when you get to see the sort of push and pull dynamics between the innies and the outies. And I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's really fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, it's not all trudging through that. There are these weird moments of levity as well. Yes, where they, it's very they, funny. Yeah, it is so funny. And Zach Cherry, the yeah. co-worker, the very, very vulgar co-worker who I love, he is kind of the the most, uh, I would say, excited about what he comes to work for each day and trying to win these ridiculous <laughs> awards by doing their jobs and trying to like hit these quotas that don't make any sense to them. They don't even yeah. know what they're doing. All he day. just wants a waffle party. Or or a melon party with yes. several different kinds of melon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the erasers or the finger traps that you oh, can win as well. Loves yeah. the finger traps, yes. Oh, yeah. He's got a whole stack of them that he's he's showing off to the rest of the office. But <laughs> later in the series, in an episode that Ben Stiller directed, uh, it, it's called Defiant Jazz. You actually get to see one of the rewards called the MDE, the Music Dance Experience. I won't I, spoil too much yeah. about it, but it is so, so funny. And it gives a, a worker the choice choice of what kind of music genre they would like to to play it's all you know like everything in the world's unidentifiable it doesn't have any like actual like title or you know anything so this music it's just played by genre including (laughs) the title of the episode defiant jazz and i lizzie you've won yourself a music dance experience here you get to pick one instrument and from the instruments, it's some like tambourines, castanets, uh, a maraca, and you get to play it with the following kinds of music genres. Let me read a few of these off to you, okay? Okay. Body funk, <laughs> bouncy swing, hootin' tootin' country, <laughs> spooky ambient, thoughtful grunge, or reckless disco. What are oh. you picking? I might go, is it hootin' tootin' country? It is. It's hooting and tooting country. Yeah, I think I'm going to hoot and toot it up with the hoot and tootin' country. Um, that's And I guess my instrument, I'll choose castanets just to really oh, have it make zero sense. John Turturro's character would approve. He's very pro castanets. That's all oh, I'll say. Oh, amazing. But yes, it's, it's so weird. And it's these things that seem like, you know, children's birthday party things and, and things yeah. that aren't that different from working in an office, like when everybody has to get together corporate mandate and sing happy birthday to one of your coworkers <laughs> and then all enjoy a cake together, you know, in this kind of quiet, mm, yes, good cake, small talk <laughs> conversation. Uh, but, you know, again, they they take it to this kind of, you know, otherworldly or supernatural level that is so funny. And the music dance experience is such a highlight of the series that 
you got to stay on at least to get to that episode. I think if you watch 10 minutes of this show, you're not going to be able to stop watching it. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. have any concerns about needing to convince people, you know, to stick through it past the first episode. No, this this is excellent from the first five to 10 minutes. And it just keeps going from there, really without the pace um, slowing down. I did not feel I, I felt like it was very steady throughout and and really engaging. Yeah, because they always find that extra little twist to take you in this different mm-hmm. direction and show you this one extra context or to reward you with, you know, the waffle party or melon party or <laughs> any of these other weird or trophies. Christopher Walken saying goat department. I can't oh. do a Christopher Walken impression. I wish I Alex do one, do one. Goat department. Oh, that's pretty goat good. Department. Goat wow. department. Wow. Baby <laughs> goat. Go to the goat <laughs> department. <laughs> I don't know, something around there. It's not great. But it's perfect. If we haven't convinced you with my bad Christopher Walken impression, <laughs> I think that there's there are some other movies and shows that this is similar to besides, you know, this dark version of The Office. I think, as we called out before, Charlie Kaufman's yes. being John Malkovich, Charlie Kaufman who wrote it, Spike Jones who directed it, being John Malkovich, is another weird head trip where you're going into the mind of a character. Yes, and, literally and a these, head trip. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And and, then going on these existential questions that you otherwise couldn't without these, you know, this weird supernatural twist. Another show that I think is going to draw a lot of comparisons to Severance is, of course, Black Mirror, sort of the ultimate like high end sci fi show that that we keep coming back to year after year. Um, But the episode that I would highlight in particular is the San Junipero episode. This episode is really excellent. It's kind of a happier look at electing to enter an altered state of consciousness. If you've never seen it, I will not spoil it more than that. But it stars Mackenzie Davis in one of her, I believe, earlier roles, as well as Gugu and Bata Raw. Mm. Um, it's really great. So definitely check out the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror. I'm going to throw out one other one. And we didn't talk about this one, but I just kind of realized how much this uh, severance and lumen is like the matrix in a weird way. If you think about it, it is the one of the matrix. This is the company that somehow led to the robots that would eventually put us all in these, you know, weird pods and use us as batteries. This is the company that, that led to the matrix in a weird way. And the most analog, you know, V one sort of operation, but it just, it it could go there. And I love that it is the the lowest tech version of that that would, you know, eventually and maybe maybe, you know, Adam Scott will become Neo. He will be the one. <laughs> I mean, I would watch that. <laughs> you know? That's it yeah, kinda, I, I love that comparison. I love the idea that the Matrix began with these these people just walking around this horrible office and someone saying, The goats aren't ready yet. They're not ready. <laughs> Goat department go oh that was a really good one okay okay we'll get it by the end of this (laughs) that was great (laughs) well obviously as you guys can tell we really really enjoy this show we do want to hear what you guys think about the show please tweet at imdb with the hashtag imdb is obsessed or send us an email uh jerry we miss your emails i feel like we (laughs) haven't gotten any for a little bit and it makes me sad Please email us at obsessedpodcast at imdb.com, Jerry, and everyone else also. And get in that Twitter thread and Facebook thread and tell us about your dream office place that you'd want to work at from a movie or TV show. Yes, please. Maybe it's Lumen. Maybe it's Severance. 
Oh my God. If it is, I, I am frightened of you and for you. <laughs> Wait till you see that music dance experience. It's going to change your mind. Okay. One moment shaking that castanet to your hootin' tootin' country and you're going to feel completely different. Fantastic. You sound just like Patricia Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> Go department.